Hello, hello. How is everybody Saturday out there in YouTube land, in Twitch land, in DLive land, if that's what you prefer? Maybe even over in Facebook land. Hey, we might even see you coming in from Trovo land. Who knows? We're streaming live to all platforms here. My name is Jay Edgar, and this is Across the Board. I am very fortunate to have a great set of guests coming in here in the very near future here. And about, uh, let's say... 25 minutes here we're going to have four great people here who've uh, been gracious enough to give me 45 minutes for the day here to talk a little bit about the household issues of the infrastructure bill but before we get into that i want to take some time and do a little bit of the punditry talk about some of the facts some of the political side of this uh some of the stuff that's going on with this i'm going to take the volume down on uh, this just a little bit here so i'm not shouting up over that here but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to go over here, and this is the bill that the world has kind of forgotten, really honestly. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to make sure that we were going to do this. Now, we were going to do this last weekend, before the Afghanistan fall, which has got to be one of the greatest gifts to Mitch McConnell, or not Mitch McConnell, but to Charles U. Schumer. That's got to be one of the greatest gifts to him, because now they can start shoving this stuff through their chambers and start talking about it without anybody paying attention to it. But, you know, there was a little bit of a family emergency I had to go and take care of. But with that and with everything that happened with that, um, we were able to still get together a good panel of guests here and really have a good conversation about this. Now, one of the things I do want to point out while we talk about the infrastructure bill um, as it goes is the fact that this has disappeared from major memory and it looks like it was almost planned that way now as soon as the vote on the infrastructure bill came out we almost immediately saw the Cuomo resignation I don't know if anybody caught that but Cuomo immediately got thrown under the bus and people stopped talking about the infrastructure bill I still try to talk about it but people stopped talking about it almost immediately because they talked about how bad it was for Cuomo to be out there and of course all of the people who are enemies of the left came out and started to talk about how we need to believe Tara Reid and give Joe Biden the same treatment as well Cuomo is getting here and all of a sudden none of that mattered because two days later Kabul fell and nobody cared about the infrastructure. Nobody cared about the human infrastructure plan anymore. Hell, nobody even cared about the fact that we might go back and inflate ourselves back up uh, out of oblivion. And we've seen some other things pop up back out of this and other distractions to go. It does seem like there is almost a terrifying fear coming from our politicians about us talking about this. And we see some of this in the way that it was arranged, too. As we go along here, we start to see. As... as we even as going through the Senate chamber, Senate Republicans got on board with this and we fast tracked it through the debate process so that nobody took the time to go back and read all the bullshit that's in this. It's a thousand page bill. I haven't even read it yet. And I'm the kind of person who sits down and reads all this stuff as much as I can because I want to see what's in there. I want to see the kind of stuff they're trying to shove down our throats. I think it's important for us to know what's going on with bills with our government and what it is they're going to do. And that's part of the reason we have this panel that's going to be here today, is so we can sit down and talk about kitchen table issues. Issues that sit down and affect all of us on the bottom line, because we can sit here and talk as politicians and political analysts forever. But what's going to actually happen in the household, that's what's important. And I don't think that the pig and the poke that we've been sold off the infrastructure bill is going to be it. 
Now, looking in at some of this here, now spending plans, are that's not a new thing. I mean, we could go all the way back to the New Deal because that in and of itself was an infrastructure bill. And of course, being taught by teachers union teachers, the first thing that we notice and the first thing that we find out is the fact that they love this thing. They think this is the greatest thing in the world. That's definitely something that, that that's the impression that I got from the public school system up in redacted small town in northern Wisconsin is that FDR was the greatest president in the world because he was able to come out and put out this big infrastructure package, this big infrastructure bill, and it was saving the economy. It saved us from, from the Great Depression because, you know, they didn't go out necessarily and build the roads that they needed. They built the roads that they thought they were going to need off in the future. So, and that's part of the same thing that we're being sold on this new infrastructure package. It's not necessarily the bill or the roads rather that we need. It's the stuff that we might need in the future. And a part of this is, um, a part of this does come from the fact of if you have a government job, if you have government workers out there, or if you have a government project, it's guaranteed paid, sometimes at 10, 20, 30% over cost, but it is guaranteed paid, which means that even if you don't need that road right now, you can put a guy in a truck or a guy with a shovel or a guy as a foreman. You can put a lot of these people to work right away. And honestly, and Part of the um, misconception, and this comes from me working on an industrial side of this, is that when we have the government come out and build the roads, because only the government can build the roads, it's government trucks, it's government workers, it's government this, it's government that that's doing it. I hate to tell you this, but that's not what it is. It is private contractors that are coming in and working under a government contract um, based on whether whatever the government contract pays and what their salary man pays too. It, it's not anything like what you see. Like, the, the government itself, well, I'm sure they own some trucks, but they don't own these big dump trucks, these big graders. They don't own any of this big equipment. They contract that out to small uh, companies. Those of you, most anybody who watches this channel knows I live in Rock County, Wisconsin, close to Janesville. I'm not going to tell you how close to Janesville, but I do live close to Janesville. And one of the private companies around here, Scylla, they just keep bringing up big crushed rock plants over and over again. They're not affiliated with the government. It's not a government project. It's a private contract. It's a private project. And yes, they have built this great, massive grading project where they're getting some of their crushed rock from. It, they're reshaping the landscape outside the interstate like I've never seen. But there, I've never seen a, a truck that says state of Wisconsin. Well, maybe a DOT truck here and there, but that's basically them inspecting it, not necessarily them coming out and doing the work. That's the guy that stands on the outside of the hole and watches the other guy on the inside of the hole. Um, but yeah, we never, ever, ever see a, a, a Wisconsin Department of Transportation truck hauling big loads of rock. It always says private company here on the side. And I don't want to advertise for a company, even though I know a lot of these guys, because I don't want them to find, or people to find out that they're being advertised by a right-wing program and... Oh, we better boycott them, even though they've got state contracts out the ass and they really don't have to worry about any of that. I don't want to advertise for them too much off of this, but um, one of the big things and the big problems with this uh, is the infrastructure bill was immediately set to come after the COVID relief bill, the, the stimulus bill, as it were. And I've been surprisingly consistent about this. Now, I know there are people that think that we need to spend this money. We don't need to spend this money right now until we get a handle on what's going on in our foreign policy and all the money we're spending over there. But I'm very much against federal government spending 
in and of itself. Local government, state government, we can have the debate over, but I'm highly against federal government spending on the whole, on the complete side of this. I think it's stupid. I don't think they have the money to do so. And I've been consistent about this. I caught up my first stimulus check. I caught up my first two stimulus checks, actually. The third one became the MSI computer that's sitting here next to my knee. But I cut up the first two, and the only reason the third one turned into this MSI computer down here was because I found out before I cashed the third one that uh, no matter what, they're going to give me the goddamn thing anyway. So there's no escaping it. It's either that or just keep cutting up refund checks for the rest of my life. Because they're just going to attach it on and pass it on on my uh, tax uh, refund for the rest of my life. And if I overpay, I do kind of want to have that money. I'm not going to lie. I don't want the government to have a taxation as theft. But this, this whole infrastructure thing, that came in at the very end of the heels of the COVID relief bill. Now, also keep in mind with the COVID relief bill, that was done under budget reconciliation. And our Senate gets two budget reconciliations per term. They get one a year, essentially, but they can fudge the numbers and make them both happen in the same year. And then, oh, whoops, now we can't do one in 2021 unless, oh, Senate parliamentarian, do your thing. Just rule on our side just this once. Just make it happen this once. We promise we won't beg for you to uh, ever have it happen again. But immediately after the COVID relief bill, there were talks of doing a $6 trillion initial offering for reconciliation. And we heard the speech. We, we talked about this with Kirsten Gillibrand because she made her ever-famous tweet. Childcare is infrastructure. Healthcare is infrastructure. Paid time off is infrastructure. Now, none of those things are actually infrastructure, and we'll be talking with our panelists about that later on here. But that was the initial offering, and they were planning on doing this under budget reconciliation too. However, the stopgap in the Senate, Joe Manchin, and to a lesser extent, Kirsten Cinema. Both came out and said that they were not going to ram this through on budget reconciliation. They would not vote yes for it. We could see maybe a Murkowski or a Romney come in and sit in in their places, but those two came out and said, no, we will not come out and vote for this. We need to go back and figure out how to make this bipartisan in some level. And with that, we do have the budget reconciliation bill that passed. Now, this passed 63 to 37, I believe, was the final number that came back out of that which means that they got a large amount of Democrat, or Republican support back on the side. They can easily clear the filibuster at this point at 63 votes. That's not a big deal. They don't need to call Kamala in to be the tiebreaker, not that she'd be able to be anyway, because you can't pass it on a simple majority off of this. But this did set the table to bring another $3.5 trillion in spending onto the table on the human infrastructure bill, which for the most part, is going to be the things that Kirsten Gillibrand talked about. It's going to be your child care's infrastructure, your health care's infrastructure, pay time off is infrastructure. And guys, I don't think we can afford this. Now, they'll come and tell them, oh, it's paid for. Don't, don't worry about the fact that it's paid for, but uh, we, we won't have to go into debt for any of this. We're, we're going to have to, all, all we have to do is enforce some existing laws that we have out there. And, oh, we'll have all this money out there and we can pay for this all, which I've got suspicion about. I've always got suspicion when it comes to the federal government spending a whole bunch of money, but, you know, that's the nature. It has to do with the flag that's sitting behind me. That's the nature of it. That, that's what you get when you, when you try to trust the federal government, is the fact that they will screw you over any chance that they get. 
But there were some riders off there that were sought to be eliminated, and they tell me, "Oh, well, we, we'll just we'll enforce existing tax law." Well, thank you for not enforcing it because taxation is theft. But um, you know, how long have these laws been on the books? You haven't been enforcing them already. What is it that I am supposed to believe when you tell me you're just going to suddenly enforce it now? What what assurances do I have? That after you've allowed your big business buddies out there who you are not going to tax, I'm sorry. These are the people who are paying your bills on both sides. It's, it's not a right-left thing. They're, they're doing it for both sides of the people. The people who are paying your bills and making sure you have your nice, fancy, expensive suits and your drivers and your expensive cars and all your campaigns are paid for. The, the people that you're, you think you're going to tax or you're going to try and tell us that you're going to tax, you're, you're not going to tax. Because they're paying you large amounts of money, paying into your campaigns to make sure that you don't tax them that way. Uh, there were some riders off to this, and I do want to make sure this is one of the big ones that I want to get into with the panel when we uh, get them all on here in just about 12 minutes. So, Cam, if you're watching, uh, Cam, I think Cam is the only one I have waiting to come back into the waiting room here. But um, if you're watching, uh, get ready here because we're ready to come back on and bring you on. Um... But with that here, uh, there were a couple riders that were put onto there, and they were tried to be debated out. One of them was that they wanted to start getting a handle on cryptocurrency to try to nationalize cryptocurrency, which, as a person who holds a small amount of cryptocurrency, maybe because you're going to make the value of a balloon, and plus I'll actually have a place to spend it. Right now, the little bit of doge that I have is just kind of sitting there. I can't do anything with it unless I turn it back into the U.S. dollars and get taxed out the ass for it. But that's one of the things that they wanted to do, was put the rider on so that now they can nationalize or at least regulate crypto to make sure that they can get all their money back off it, because they, they want their money. They, they definitely want their money. It's the government. They will get their money, even if they have to send a man with a gun to your house and collect it from you under the threat of putting you in a box. But the other interesting thing, and we talked about this on Contemporary before, was that they have some auto safety regulations that were riders on this uh, particular bill. They talked about the idea of putting an automatic breathalyzer into all vehicles being made after 2030. As a person who has worked in the automotive industry for as long as I have, and as a person who is, is from Wisconsin, I, I'm not going to lie to you, we, we do enjoy some of our road soldiers here and there. This is a logistical nightmare. This is an absolute logistical nightmare to try and to try to employ some of the things that they're trying to do. And they're already finding the logistical nightmares of this. You know, they just want to have a sensor up over the driver's seat that makes sure that just, just to see if there's any alcohol coming into the air from the driver's area. Nowhere else in the car, but from the driver's area. I don't know if you've ever been around a 21-year-old college girl who's out on her 21st birthday and has a sober ride home, but she is not sitting in the seat that she's supposed to be in for the most part. It's her first night out on the town, her first time out legally out partying. I mean, she's probably been, especially if she's that way, she's probably been doing it since she was 18, 19, maybe even 17. But the first night out on the town legally, and uh, yeah, yeah, she's all over the place. And I, I've shared another anecdote where... The girl that I was dating at the time when I lived in Mass, when I had a truck with a bench seat on it, I was her sober ride home from the bar. She was barely stand-upable drunk. 
and her brilliant idea was to unbuckle the seatbelt and take a nap across the bench seat, head in my lap. My truck wouldn't have turned on at that point. Now, yes, there's supposed to be cameras, which raises an entire other issue. Cameras in your vehicle to make sure that it's it's not your, your passenger that's blown into the tube for you. Just let your passenger drive at that point, but we can have that conversation. But there are other logistical nightmares to this as well. I mean, I've, I've worked at a campground before. When it gets cold out, we don't always ride the golf carts around in the campground. When it gets cold out, sometimes we'll take one of the trucks around to some of the, to some of the back sites. And after all the work is done, why not have a beer in your hand? Why not have a glass of scotch in your hand, even in a plastic cup? Have the glass of scotch in the truck with you. You're not on a public road. You're on a private property. But hey, oh no, the truck won't start up. What do I do? These are some of the logistical nightmares that we have coming back off of this. Um, as far as what's going on with the um, with the infrastructure bill at hand, not necessarily the riders right now, um, there are some stopgaps in here. I believe McConnell was hoping to get the bipartisan infrastructure bill passed so it can sit in the House so it can try to focus on getting the human infrastructure bill blocked in the Senate. Nancy Pelosi herself has said she will not vote on the Senate infrastructure plan Unless, of course, it has the human infrastructure plan to go with it. They come as a package for the house. They, she, she won't vote on one without the other. Yes! Let it die in the house! Just let it die in the house! I have no faith that that's actually going to happen, but, uh, you know, that, that's the positive outcome I could see out of this entirely. Um, one of the other big sides of this is that we are coming up on the debt ceiling right now. And that is definitely something that I think we're going to need to have a conversation about is what is going to be the debt ceiling. I know that we're going to talk about the payment methods of this entire bill once I get the panelists on up here in a few minutes. Um, that's one of the things we are going to talk about is what about the debt ceiling? And if this isn't really paid for, which I don't think it is, as much as they try to give you farts and rainbows and candy cane and lollipops to say, oh yes, no, we'll just go after the billionaires and the tax laws we already have in place. I have no faith in that. I have absolutely no faith at all that that's actually going to happen. Instead, my faith lies in the fact that this is going to come out to be either a tax to the middle class, which is going to hurt small households, which is why I want to make sure that we have kitchen table issues about this and conversations about kitchen table issues on how this will actually affect your household and the households of the people that you love. But what happens now if this goes on to onto the national debt? I mean, Republicans in this country went for four years of saying they never said a word about the national debt because, well, let's face it, the Don was ballooning it out of control, mostly coming out of Omnibus packages that the Democrats, the Democrat-led House, was using to hold the American workers hostage in this country. But regardless, he continued to sign these massive omnibus packages left and right and ballooned another $4 trillion in debt into us. And now we have $6 trillion, $5 trillion, I'm sorry, sitting here on the table and nobody knows how this is going to get paid for. Nobody knows what this is going to do. And really, nobody even knows if this is going to happen. My fingers are crossed right now that this actually bombs and fails. 
Because in spite of the fact that I do want a working government for the people who want to work in government, I don't want to work in government at all, but I know there are people out there and I don't want to impose my will on them. We can't keep spending like this. It, it doesn't work. We can't keep spending money like this left and right. Not only that, but given the Beijing Biden administration, the fact that they have lost on everything else that they've tried to do, they've lost on Afghanistan, they've lost on trying to convince us that a mega-terrorist tried to bomb the Library of Congress. They've lost on trying to sell us on the January 6th thing. They've lost on COVID, the Delta variant. We'll be out of masks by July 4th. Just do what I tell you to. And we're not out of masks. In fact, they're talking about increasing mask mandates on people who are already fully vaccinated. They're talking about doing stuff like that. If this, if this pair of bills, I'm not going to say this one bill, but if this pair of bills fails, then the Beijing Biden admin has nothing in its four years, because they've blown their budget reconciliation, both of them. They've got $1,400 checks. That's all that they have out of four years. That's the only win they're actually going to have at the rate that they're going right now. Now, it's only been seven months. Keep that in mind. It's been a long-ass seven months, but it's only been seven months at this point. A lot of things could happen between now and 2024, but we will see where it goes. And we'll see if they blow their wad on spending all this money and not have a budget reconciliation until the new Congress comes in, where statistically the party of the president loses House seats, therefore losing his House majority, which is very slim already. All right. We're going to check some live chat here. I'm going to make a reminder to my panelists who all have their cameras off right now that we're going to be getting ready to go. Let's see what the live chat is saying here while everybody gets prepared, and then we will take some time and talk to our guests. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? The Pretzel Rocks bot is uh, fighting. Chilaga tells us we are looking sharp. Thank you. I am the host, and I mean, there's not a big dress code for all the people here, but as the host, you know, you, you got to set a good example for everybody here. So suit up. That's the best way to do it. Plus, I finally, I grew enough hair that I can pull back into a little bit of a ponytail, too. So, it's not in my face anymore. I think that's kind of cool. Eight more inches and we can donate and somebody will get a wig off of it. That's that's the goal right there. Uh, let's see. Nephilim Ninja of Nibiru says, ouch, she is sharp. Thank you, Nephilim. Katie Zed is here. Is that on his way to a funeral? Nope, I am just hosting a talk show. I have a black shirt on the inside to wear to the funeral. That's what I have for that. Um, Nephilim Ninja, he is talking about how we're spending to death. That's a fair point, Nephilim. Thank you for that. Um, that makes sense, the funeral of our economy. Thank you, Katie Zed. Quest Fanning is here. Well, if it isn't the beautiful people. Uh, how's it going, Neff? Eric Bowman is over on the Twitch side. Who is the Twitch alter ego of Quest Fanning, by the way? Neuromer says three votes. I don't know what the three votes is. I'm going to see if we can find our last guest here, Cam Harless, because I don't see him here. But as we're waiting for him, let's get over here. Let's change up the scenes and let's introduce our guest panelist here. Where's my scene? Where's my new scene? There it is. All right, so... We've got some uh, some great guests here. I could think we've got Sully. Is this your first time on a uh, on any sort of uh, podcast at all? 
Oh, yeah, that one here. Anyway, we have here from, starting from my left on the screen here, we have, she is here to play games for you, the lovely Harvey McLeod. Thanks for coming in. Um, yeah, we can hear you now. Looks like you got your issues fixed. Uh, yeah, we, I was a little bit nervous coming in here because your microphone was having problems. Um, we have, for his first time on Political Talk here, Sully Blue, who's been a regular viewer and somebody who's interested in entering the fray of Political Talk. So, Sully Blue, give him a great welcome because, um, yeah, this will be his first time. And lastly, right below me, we have... I don't know if I've ever seen you on any uh, any sort of uh, political programming either, but we have Olive, better known as Right Girl Problems, over on Twitter. Welcome in, panel. How's everybody doing here today? If you guys want to tell me about your Saturdays here, I'm going to see if we can find Cam. Because uh, I don't see where he's at. Other than that, yeah, how's everybody Saturday? Yeah, French toast. I like French toast. So I'm going to go with, um, to begin with here, I'm going to have the three of you, while we wait for Cam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Harvey, you are a veteran of this program. I think you have the second most guest spots on... Um, what was the old show? I can't even remember. Ed's World. You have the second most appearances on Ed's World and uh, the Red Net show. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Right now, I, I just work in business immigration law. And uh, I'm seven months pregnant right now. I'm expecting my first child in October. So uh, a lot of exciting things happening this past year, this past year alone. <laughs> so um, that's pretty much all I've been working on, just work and turning food into a human. <laughs> well, yeah, it kind of sounds like there was at least one night of exciting things. Mm -hmm. But I also uh, play the video games too. Yeah, what are you playing now? <laughs> I'm playing a lot of Stardew Valley right now, and I just got off of Fallout 4, so I decided, okay, I'll go with something a little more easy, easy going, and it's not easy going at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what to cool. play next. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot of Nintendo lo-fi. <clears throat> uh, Sully, this is your first appearance on Two Talk. I know that you were in the. Um, let's say drawing contest over on the generational gap that one night too. I was, I was, but uh, you're the only person in this group that I've actually hung out with in person too, on top of that. So, Hey, got to start somewhere, right? So tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> All right. Um, so just quick rundown. Um, I'm actually originally from Cali. Um, I lived in Oregon, ended up in Florida, been here since I was 14, uh, stuck here ever since. Um, I was in the uh, the United States Marine Corps. I did deploy to Afghanistan 2013. Um, I actually met John from the Gen Gap when <laughs> I moved to Florida in eighth grade. And that's how, actually how I found like J. Edgar, RRC, you know, all these shows is ran into his sister and uh, he happened to be doing a podcast that night. And that's how uh, we reconnected. And then I fell down the Freedom Scoop hole at the time. And I know you guys have a new project coming out, so I'm excited for that. But um, yeah, I'm excited for that too, actually. Here, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
That's it. <laughs> Olive, uh, I'm not familiar with a lot of your work yet here, but if you want to tell us just a bit about yourself and um, how you came to be and what it is that you do in the fray. Sure. I am originally from the Chicagoland area and recently moved to Oklahoma. I uh, took a job doing project coordination, um, admin, things like that. I've been involved in communications for a long time. And um, in my spare time, I like to write and uh, write about just a, a whole range of things. But a lot of times it's it's fiction stories and things like that. But I will I do try my hand at nonfiction articles and and things. But um, yeah, so that's kind of my life. I don't have a cat. I don't drink <laughs> coffee, but the writing community tends to has um, has welcomed me anyway. So maybe one day the cat, <laughs> the cat will be will appear. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's that's my life. I, I as living as close to, and I, I said this in the uh, intro, but living in Janesville, you know, a stone's throw from the Chicagoland area. I, I do feel a little bit bad for you from being from there. Yes, it was. It became evident that I wasn't going to be able to settle there um, with my chosen career path and stuff. So I, uh, it's been a lot better in Oklahoma. It's just a much lower standard. Um, I shouldn't say lower standard of living, lower cost of living. So I'm able to have a lot more, um, be able to buy a lot more here and stuff regarding, you know, housing and things. So um, I do miss, there's so much I do miss about Chicagoland and those that follow me on Twitter know that I'm um, into food very much. And um, that is one thing that the Chicago had a lot of, which is a lot of variety of food. So, yeah. All right. And our last guest has shown up here today. So he is the host of The Mad Ones with another channel veteran of this channel, Jessica Green. Cam, welcome to Across the Board and your first time to the Edsworld channel as well. Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I am a man with five children and I I like to talk shit on the internet. I hope <laughs> cursing's okay because otherwise this is going to be that's the first thing you have to cut out at some oh, point. Oh, oh my god, um, why the fuck why would why why the fuck would you curse on my program? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm I'm an animal. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I run a show called The Mad Ones with uh, Jessica Green, and we talk about what the hell we want to talk about, frankly. It covers the gamut. Um, we used to talk a lot about libertarianism and politics and stuff like that, uh, but we've shifted a lot to um, philosophy, interesting people, death. We're going to have a, a really cool October where we talk about a lot of dark things and uh theological things, all sorts of stuff, sorts of stuff like that. By day, I won't tell you what I do because like, I don't want my my employers to know the kind of stuff I say online. So you got to <laughs> be safe with that. Yeah, I, I know. There's Well, there's two reasons that people don't know what my first name is. But one of them is, is yeah, I, I don't want them to be able to run out and say, oh, my God, employer, look at what this guy says on the Internet. All right. So... Um, Harvey, you've been here before. The rest of you, I know, Sully, you've seen this program before. So what we're about to do is I have got six questions here. Uh, they are a mix of individual questions that I'll ask in a round tape, uh, round robin fashion or open questions, or I just want to get some crosstalk and open discussion in right away off of this. 
Um, if we are doing an individual question, if you do want to get in and comment, we welcome crosstalk. Just let the original speaker that I've asked the question to get maybe 45 to 60 seconds of unopened talk in. I don't have a timer. I think that's just respectful to your fellow guests. But other than that, we want to get a lot of crosstalk in here. We want to get through a lot of things and a lot of information here in the next few minutes. Uh, we'll be have a 45-minute roundtable. And then if you guys want to stick around for live chat afterwards, you're welcome to. You're not contractually obligated to, too, but I'm sure that these wonderful people that are watching the program will have some questions for you as well. But we're going to get right into it here. So um, I want to start here, and I'm actually going to start with Sully on this because you use the infrastructure for your living. Like, you drive yeah. on these roads every day. Yeah. So my first question here is, what is your general opinion of our current infrastructure as it stands? I know that one of the big things that we constantly hear from Democrat politicians is our crumbling infrastructure. Our crum crumbling infrastructure. We have to do something about our crumbling infrastructure. Tell me about your general take on the infrastructure generally around your area and the country. All right. So um, as someone who, like you said, does, uh, does work with it very closely, and when I was in the Marine Corps, I traveled around the country, saw a lot of big cities. In my experience, personally, um, just to sum it up, for instance, uh, on August 10th, CNN had an article. And the picture they used talking about USA's crumbling infrastructure was in a European nation. It had an Audi with European tags on it. And it was a crumbling road. And to me, that's exactly it. The only time you find major, major issues is usually in the big cities that aren't actually taking care of what they should be because the money is going elsewhere here in florida the only issues you really see is the main highways going through the big cities orlando tampa miami and jacksonville Every, i mean sure there are roads here and there that aren't that great road projects take a while and you know a lot of them don't have enough lanes for the amount of people that are coming in and stuff but i mean to a large extent i think i i, I think it's just a big hoopla honestly man I, that's my personal take on it um I don't want to take too much time, but yeah, to sum it up, just BS. Uh, as the other flirty in here, uh, Cam, I'm going to throw the same question to you. Well, I mean, I, I can't speak too much on the actual roads because most of my time is spent in the house so <laughs> and on the internet. And I can say that uh, my internet's really nice. But beyond that, I, you know, I have all of the memories of living in because I lived around Birmingham, which is the big city in Alabama. And there was always road work and always bottlenecks and always. I, I don't think. I don't I just. They don't do a good job, and I don't think that they'll do a good job if they get more money. I think it's just going to get worse. That's that's a fair point. And I mean, I kind of take a little bit like I understand where Sully was coming from, especially in Orlando, because I mean, I'm a country boy. I live city adjacent now, but I am a country boy. And I mean, the county took care of the pea gravel roads for the most part where I was growing up, if there were roads at all there. But, you know, just trying to get on to what was that? Uh, I, I don't really want to dox John too much, but uh, what was the highway over <laughs> by where John lived? That, uh, that I tried um, to get on after I dropped him off and had a complete nightmare of trying to get the hell back on. Was it I-4? It might have been. Yeah, because I-4 is the main uh, highway that goes from Daytona to Tampa. And it's, you know, depending on which direction you go, it's east to west. But everyone here refers to it as north and south pretty much. So it's probably yeah. that one, I would imagine. 
That or 95. Those are really the only two major ones around us. I mean, granted, 95 runs up the entire eastern country, but, you know. Now, um, Harvey, you have lived in some very congested places in your life. As just in the time that I've known you, you've lived in three very <laughs> congested places. So yes. tell us a little bit about what you see on infrastructure, um, your uh, current construction projects in your area, um, your general take on it. Well, I can tell you right now, California was the worst, like by a lot. Um, you know, I can't, you know, throw them under the bus too much because I live in Dallas right now and North Texas is notorious for always having construction being done on major roads. <laughs> like always, it's, it's always there. It's just a fact of life. It just, you better pray that there's not going to be a big construction project on your commute to work at a certain time. And, you know, and if there is, it's going to last a long time. But um, I, as far as the infrastructure in Dallas goes, it's not as bad. It's just, it wasn't well planned out from the get-go so there's so many highways going all over the place but um the roads themselves are maintained pretty decently um it, it was in california especially when i lived in southern california like in the orange county area if we ever went to los angeles it was the worst it was the absolute worst the, the roads were terrible there was construction going on but i didn't see a single machine moving every time <laughs> i went there's not enough lanes and i i don't know if it's just an issue of they're not able to build faster than the people coming in. But I don't recall a lot of people coming in at the time when I lived there. So that, that just kind of just shows you what California is in a nutshell. Like you can have the highest road tax, which last time I checked, they did. They had a gas tax and a road tax to repair these roads and make sure they're well-maintained and make sure everything runs efficiently. And they weren't the big cities. They absolutely weren't. And it, I never understood it. And then in Las Vegas, I never had a problem with traffic, especially given the tourism there. It's like that was very well planned out. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I do understand the constant construction projects. I mean, I live in Wisconsin. We have three seasons in Wisconsin, winter, hunting and construction. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Olive, tell me a little bit about um, what you see about infrastructure projects that you've seen, and especially, you know, once again, you're coming from a major metropolitan area that I have driven in. Yes, uh, the Chicagoland area is always under, there's always something on under construction there. Um, and it's uh, obviously some of the roads do need redone, but there's always a sense of you talk to people and people are always joking. Oh, why did they why are they redoing this road for the time? And this road over here isn't getting any sort of um, any sort of uh, repaving or anything. Um, plus, I noticed where I'm at now um, in the kind of the tri-state quad state region with Kansas, Missouri, and Arkansas, it's always interesting that um, <clears throat> roads are so different when you cross a border. You can almost tell when you've crossed a border because suddenly you, the roads will be much better and it's all very... Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is regardless of this being a federal issue, it still often comes down to how the states are um, to the state oversight and things like that which is just interesting to me well it's it's i mean it's interesting you put that because as i mentioned on the monologue for the most part when you're doing like your local construction projects it's your local government is the one that's mandating how it gets done and really the only interstate the federal government uh acknowledgement is what happens 
at that little section where you're crossing the state line. Yeah. All right. I'm going to throw uh, a jump off question, uh, an open question here. So you guys go in, answer, and discuss among yourself off of this. Um, but given what each of you talked about previously, um, can we come to a consensus as to whether or not the needs of our infrastructure are worth the price tag that we're being fed on this $1.2 trillion package? Um, so whoever wants to go first, take it away. Let's talk. I'm just going to throw this out there. Based on the breakdown on all of the so or the sources that I've seen, the breakdown that they gave, um, none of it adds up to $1.2 trillion. There's like $400 billion like not accounted for in that plan. So I'm going to go with, no, it doesn't justify the price tag. It hasn't been, you haven't even given me the full receipt of all the stuff that's supposed to be on there. Where's that extra money going? Yep. Well, yeah. One, one thing. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say anything that's $1.2 trillion is going to have massive amounts of pork and massive amounts of inserted pet projects by different people. I mean, there's even mention of regulation of cryptocurrency. I mean, it's, it's, these are never bills that do what they say they're going to do. Uh -huh. And I think that if you really want these things to get better, you have to be more local and empower communities. Otherwise, all you're doing is getting some senator out there getting kickbacks in his particular town, whereas it's not going where it might actually be needed. I actually, I want to stop uh, before we go into any further discussion on that, and actually point out that there was, and I just looked it back up here from the gazette.com. We talked about it on Contemporary. Um, there was a provision, go away advertisement, a, a provision <laughs> for a billion dollars for a commission run by Joe Manchin's wife in the first infrastructure bill that we have here, the one that uh, just passed the Senate that's currently sitting in the House. Um, Gail Connolly Manchin is the federal co-chairwoman of the Appalachian Regional Commission and Economic Development Partnership between the federal government and 13 Appalachian states. She works in partnership with a co-chairman from one of the states in the region, currently Democratic Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, to lead the commission and was appointed to the post by President Biden and unanimously confirmed by the Senate in April. So that project that, I mean, directly affects Manchin, that, that's got a billion dollars going into it right off of this bill. Wow. <laughs> always happens that way. <laughs> <laughs> you can always guarantee it. And, and, and that's my whole problem is I see it the same as like the, uh, the COVID relief bill. It's such a big bill, but when you actually look at what's going towards the cause is such a minuscule amount. It's like, you know, where, where's the rest of this money going? Because just like she was saying earlier, I have not seen an article yet that even came close to the total amount that they are proposing for this bill. They're not reporting on everything in the bill because, of course, a lot of the places they're reporting on are telling you all the good stuff they want to push and everything. And, I mean, it, it's just insane. Like, just for instance, just one piece of it, $110 billion is going towards roads, uh, fixing bridges and everything like that. $40 billion of that is going towards bridges. They say there's 173,000 miles of highways and major roads in the country that need repairs or in dire, you know, dire condition. 45,000 bridges. Uh, you look at 40 billion towards just bridge repair where are these bridges being repaired because i guarantee you every single one of them is in a major blue city because there's no way 40 billion is not going to cover that much you know you're talking about maybe i don't know 20 20 to 50 bridges depending on size and the extent of the work 
And all this bill is going to be is just getting a bunch of money out there, getting passed through and getting passed around. All it is is a state's bailout for those states that screwed up and need a bailout right now. And that's all this is. That's all the infrastructure bill is. I guarantee it. There's very little that's actually going towards the cause that's necessary for the American people. Well, and it's 2,701 pages. They can't yeah, fully detail yeah. it because it's 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 a it's longer than uh, you know uh, crime and punishment. How yeah. many how many senators and uh, House representatives have actually read the freaking thing? I would guarantee less mm-hmm. than thirty percent have read it. it. It's twice that's, the length that's of a high Clancy's Bear of the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean. There, there's just stuff in there that I don't understand. Sorry, I'm not trying to talk too much, but there's just like, for instance, Amtrak. This is one thing I cannot figure out. Amtrak has been in business for 50 years as of this year. And in their 50 years of being in service, they've had zero years of profitable anything. They've literally survived off of government subsidies, which I can't figure out for the life of me why the government would be so interested in keeping Amtrak alive. Let's turn that one over to our West Suburbs person here, Amtrak. Uh, Well, uh, Amtrak is a little bit different from Metra. And uh, so there's probably some different governance there. I've taken Amtrak actually several times Mm -hmm. from Chicago area to uh, Kansas City and and actually even east into Washington, D.C. And it's... um, uh, I mean, I guess it's an interesting way to travel if you like traveling through Iowa at night and not seeing anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm really surprised this, yeah. um, that they keep it alive. But I mean, it's just you're stuck on the rails and it's a the passenger trains always take or the freight trains actually always take precedence over the passenger trains. So that's mm-hmm. interesting that they want to. But that gets into the 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 um, the desire to build more high speed rail and, and things, and that's a different conversation. But yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah. the question the question is, how big is the union with the railroad? How big is the union with Amtrak? And how much money are they giving to different politicians? Most likely of the blue persuasion. Like that's that's why it does it. I mean, look at the 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 United States Postal Service. They haven't they haven't clocked a profit and they've been living out of a deficit for how many years now? And yet the, they still keep them afloat. They have one of the best, the biggest and best unions in America. I mean, look at who's making the money. Well, and that's, I kind of want to move the question here off this because we're moving into some of the debt deficit spending and some (laughs) of the fact that some of these things aren't turning a profit here. And that actually goes right into my next question here because, and I mentioned this again in the monologue, we have been pushed head over heels to believe that this bill is already paid for. That's the first thing they tell us. Oh, we don't have to raise taxes on anything. This bill is already paid for. Don't worry. Um, the story is that no new legislation will be needed for taxation. Rather, they will infis- uh, enforce rather existing laws. So another one, open, jump ball. Anybody who wants to jump in, jump in. What are your thoughts on whether this is possible to pay for based on existing tax legislation? It just sounds like money printer go burr. Yeah. It doesn't say it doesn't. It doesn't the money themselves. Yeah, it's just going to be. I, I can't imagine they not they're not u- utilizing the Fed for this. Like I don't I don't see how 
put using existing laws lets you pay for $1.2 trillion worth of spending. None, that I haven't read into it, but that makes no sense at all. Well, that, yeah, that's the way they keep selling. Oh, we'll, we'll just enforce this law and the billionaires and the millionaires, and we won't have to raise taxes on anything. And first off, if you, if you really have these laws on the books, Leaving aside to the fact that they're going after the people that donate to your campaigns or your nice fancy suits, your fancy cars, your fancy drivers, why aren't you enforcing them now? And do you really have $1.2 trillion laying on the table at that point? Well, if they're not going to enforce it. Well, that and also if they do, what does that mean for the companies they want to have that tax money from? Are they going to stay in the United States? Or are they going to find a, a tax haven that they can work out of? I mean, usually that's the answer. If they're not enforcing things, it's because they need to keep an ally. <laughs> well, I mean, the government's not going to go after Jeff Bezos. He owns the Washington Post, where democracy goes to die in darkness. <laughs> and that's all they do is they go back and they, they sell all these wonderful platitudes about Joe and Kamala. They're not going to tax that, that dude. Yeah. Now when you have Mamala, you got gotta, gotta love Mama Kamala, right? <laughs> or, as, uh, or as Jay would say, his mountain mama. <laughs> I got me earlier. <laughs> oh, whenever I talk about West Virginia? That line uh, sticks yeah, in my head man. all the time. Yeah, that was hilarious. Who was it? Was it Ron that was cracking up about that? I don't know. Someone was, and they cracked me up. I don't know. Um, once again, we're gonna we're gonna pick on the Chicago person here, but I mean, you've seen machine politics in action. Where, <laughs> yes. where does this go? Uh, to the cronies. <laughs> Even in Chicagoland, there's a there's a Republican machine and a Democratic machine, and they work overtime to get the money in their pockets. So um, there is no one innocent in in that area uh, when it comes to just getting getting the uh, get yeah getting money for their for their buddies and their and their cronies and stuff. Well, I mean, interestingly enough, and you and you and I can actually have this conversation because we both experienced it here. Um, I don't mm -hmm. know if the rest of these three have, but um, going on the tollway, the Jane Addams, <laughs> the Dan Ryan, and all the money mm -hmm. that you put into that. I mean, it's $2.80 yes. just to leave the state from where I live, from out west over here. Yeah, so, I was actually traveling oh, on... Sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. I, I was actually <laughs> traveling on that. No, it's fine. Um, in July, I was back in Illinois and just reminded of how much uh, the tollway is, is awful. <laughs> and I have a bill now that I have to pay because I don't have a transponder anymore. But it's it's pretty awful. And um, I know there was I don't I think there was talk maybe at the beginning of of raising money. It's always talk about raising money for either road construction or whatever boondoggle they want to raise money for that sounds good and then of course it never ever gets paid off so that it allows them to keep keep the tolls and, and things like that and then just continue to raise it so um yes it's it is expensive just to drive in in the chicago land and I've, I've always wondered too because i mean i i we didn't have this where i grew up over on west central wisconsin obviously it's you know, you go up and down 94 with no problem. And the next thing you mm -hmm. know, you're getting into 
you know, I lived in Kenosha for 10 years. So just even going on the interstate, going on 94, going back down, if you want to go to like Gurney or something, you always know to go down 41 because you can sneak in behind the uh, Gurney Mills Mall and not have to pay the toll. Because there's no toll on 41. But where does all that money go? That's a lot of yes, money. you find ways. I can get from Kenosha to Glendale Heights without touching a single toll. Takes me three hours, uh, but I can do it. I don't know where. Right. Well, then you've got congestion. And that's why they, they're probably, in their mind, justified to um, have the tollway there because it's just so metropolitan that it's some, in some ways the interstates are the best and fastest way of getting around. And when you need to get somewhere, um, sometimes you have to take, take the interstates. So. What are you, well, the other three, your thoughts on tolls? So that's what I was going to uh, say earlier is they, they got us in central Florida, man. They, they freaking got us. So other than I four, like we were talking about earlier, I four is the main artery to go pretty much directly through the middle of the state, Orlando. Um, if you live on the east side or west side of Orlando, there are toll roads on both sides. There's a toll road that goes east and west across Orlando, and there's another toll road in Maitland, which is kind of like a neighboring city to Orlando. And to my knowledge, three of those four toll roads were told that they were going to be temporary tolls when they were constructed just to pay for the construction. Dude, they are building new toll booths, tool, uh, toll booths. I can't talk. I've been drinking beer. I'm sorry. I'm the conservative, everyone. Um, <laughs> no, but they're building new toll booths to, to fund more building of these toll roads to extend them. And, you know, I mean, it kind of sucks. Like, luckily, I don't live in Orlando. I live far enough away to where it doesn't really affect me. Um, my biggest problem is for work, I have the toll sticker, the transponder. So when I drive in my personal pickup truck, I forget and I go through the tolls and have to pay like triple the price. And then I'm really pissed off because, you know, then I'm like, well, this is supposed to be temporary and it never is, you know. And yeah, I mean, that's they got us, you know. Hey, federal income tax was supposed to be temporary, too. Yeah, exactly. Seven years later. That, yeah, you never hear about the end of that. So, <laughs> All right. I want to move on to another individual question. I'm going to start with uh, the one who is in the process of bringing a new life into this world here. Um, one of the things that we talk about is this next bill, the one that they're working on right now behind everybody's back, was the human infrastructure bill. And we heard Gillibrand talk about the fact that child care is infrastructure, health care is infrastructure, paid time off is infrastructure. Um, so I want to ask each one of you what a human infrastructure project might look like to you. And if it, even if it's not a federal government, is there a place for a government, state, local, municipality, housing authority? Is there a place for them to to do an, a human infrastructure project like that? Harvey, take it away. The problem with that is how do you quantify something like that? Because you can say human infrastructure that you know, that means, yeah, it's going to take care of your health care and your child care and maybe school or whatever. I'm like, well, what, what does that mean? So are, are you going to build daycares or are you going to build schools? Are you going to give me money so that I can take care of that myself? So I'm, I'm having a little trouble trying to wrap my mind around that because I can't seem to, to find a quantifiable empirical uh, roadmap of how they're going to do that. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it sounds good. Like, we're going to do this and this and this for you. It's going to do this. But no one has been able to tell me what that really means. So 
I wish I could give you a better answer, but I don't understand it. They can't explain it to me. They never explain it. They just tell you to accept it. Accept the money. Mm -hmm. Sully, what does a human infrastructure project look to you, and is there a place for a government in that on any level? So, all right, Harvey, I know you got a kid on the way. That's awesome. I have a nine-year-old daughter myself. Um, I don't know how they do it in Texas. In Florida, um, they actually have this really cool concept that I think a lot more places can do. You drop your kid off to a daycare, and they actually do, like, community work, and they essentially earn the credits back for what it costs for them to go to daycare. So you pretty much wash out. It's like free daycare. They just have to do the labor. Okay. No, I, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Like, like I would totally like for, like, camp. delinquent yeah, kids, maybe. No, but not so, <laughs> I mean, when it, when it comes to stuff like this, honestly, this, this is something the federal government has no business being involved in. This should be on a state and local level because everywhere is different. Like I said, I've lived personally in three states as a civilian. I've been in multiple as a, a military member. And I'm telling you right now, every state you go through has very different cultures, very different needs, very different ways of life, just average everyday stuff. And I don't know. I, I think this is one of those things that I, I don't understand why they keep just spending money. You know, we just came from an economy being locked down for a year and a half in some cases, you know, luckily I'm in Florida. It wasn't as bad, but it, what do they expect is going to happen? And who's it benefiting? I mean, th this, this bill they're trying to do with that is, is complete bullshit, man. That's my opinion. Sorry, Harvey. I see your face. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, no, no, I know. that's all. <laughs> no, because that's the prevailing question throughout this whole thing. Where is this money going? Exactly. Yeah. And they can't they're, they're not even one. telling us. They're not telling yeah. us where all of it's going. And they won't. They won't. They just won't. like, no. just like the infrastructure bill. I mean, there were plenty of things. Like there was like, what was it? One billion was towards um, uh, construction discrimination or something like that. And if you actually look at what they define it as, it's like disproportionate minority communities separated by highways and major roadways. And it's like, what does that even mean? Of course, the highways and roadways go through the poor places because that's what cities do. They buy up the cheap land from people and put their – that's where all the stadiums are when you go places. That's where all the main highways run through. That's what it is. Where, where is that $1 billion going to? Like whose pocket is that going in is what I'm trying to find out. I mean just, just stuff like that. I'm just so tired of all this spending right now, and I don't know. That's my Camp, rant. same question well, to you. Well, when, when I'm looking at uh, this human infrastructure concept, especially when it – centers around child care schools stuff like that um anytime i hear someone talk about schools or daycares i become immediately wary because i don't know if you've noticed in the news recently the federal government is um like threatening uh medicare and medicaid patient payments to different states and different facilities if they don't follow the covid guidelines directly or have their entire staffs vaccinated and so when you see this money funneling down further to local places from the federal government, that is often used as an extortion method later. So you have the Department of um, Education, you have these different top-down um, systems, and what is this going to do? It, it's going to make these smaller places, these schools, these daycares dependent on the federal government and they'll be able to exert more power that should be kept for local people. And so I, I, I never see paying into 
a federal education or child care initiative as anything but very, very possibly sinister. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'll have the same question back to you. Is, oh, the human infrastructure? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'd actually, it's kind of interesting that Cam said that because that was my thought as well. Um, I have worked in the past for faith-based places. Um, and when you have um, the federal government determining uh, things like that, like childcare, well, then what kind of other power, this is my tin hat, um, what kind mm-hmm. of other power are they um, going to exert on uh, faith-based or other, uh, um, other companies that have certain policies and stuff um, regarding, um, let's say not um, childcare, but if they have paternity leave or maternity leave, and then they can also start um, trying to control how a organization, dare I say, determines who is a mother and who is a father. And for certain faith-based places, that's going to put them in direct Uh, conflict with, um, you know, could put them in conflict when they're, when they have specific, you know, biblical um, standards that possibly, uh, I guess, not lose funding, but now they, they could be in, in trouble because they have, they have standards of what they're considering uh, versus what the federal government is trying to determine and control, if that makes sense. It does. It does. That's what Sully was saying. Like this, you know, the United States is too big and too diverse in terms of its beliefs and values and cultures to have it be under the thumb of just one rule for everybody. All right, I've got uh, mm-hmm. I've got another group question for everybody here, and this is going to be the interesting one because this is the bottom line and the household question. And it's interesting the way that we have this all laid out here because three of us either have families or are about to have families, and two of us are in the process of buying our first homes, if I understand the tweets correctly. So now we're going to talk about the bottom line. So uh, the way I have this written, it's been accepted at this point that most of the infrastructure bill will be debt spending in spite of the assurance that they have already paid for all this, whether by inflation printing, debt, or actually paying the bill, how do we, and we'll see if we can talk and come to a consensus about this, think that these, what do you think that these bills do to our bottom lines in our households? Floor's open. I don't believe that our taxes will not be raised. (laughs) (laughs) That is the long and short of it. Yeah, for one, either taxes are going to be raised or the inflation is going to go up. So either way, in each individual household, you're left with less than you were before. That's the whole problem with all this spending. It's one way or the other. Hopefully, it's not both in being higher taxes and the inflation is going to slap us because, man, I got two nuts and they can't take that kind of punishment. I'm just telling you right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I would say that everything is probably going to cost more. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, things are already costing more. Oh yeah, yeah I'm at a grocery store lately or a gas station. Yeah, the gas. Yes. I was about to say, yeah, I just yes. I just spent a hundred dollars filling my truck up today. I was like, thank you, Biden. <laughs> yeah, and this is his fault, but you know. Yeah, respect. there's a, no, no, no. It's fine. There's a lot of um, 
facets of it. And I live in, now I live in the middle of the gas being in Tulsa and in Northeastern Oklahoma and stuff. This is prime, you know, gas oil country and stuff. So it's always interesting to see how that affects things around here. Just with the, it's such a boom and bust economy around here, but um, yeah, I think prices are going to rise with everything. I stand at the meat counter now and just have heart palpitations at how much my steaks are costing to buy. And that makes me very sad. So I'm not very happy about that. I mean, I I do think it'll be a double whammy. I think you're going to see, we're already seeing inflation. I believe with the American, whatever they called the, um, the bill, uh, American freedom plan or something, whatever it was. The American rescue plan. Um, rescue plan yeah. uh, i think that added about fifty one thousand dollars worth of debt per person and so they you know the, the money printers don't going to be going that's not going to stop there's going to be quantitative easing there's going to be you know, inflation's already started hopefully it doesn't get too hyper but you're going to see that you're going to see um right raises in taxes it's gonna it's gonna all hit us it's just they're going to try to make us feel it's going to be like um have you ever read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley? No. Uh, I know the gist of it. I haven't like sat down and read it, but I know what it's about. So a lot of people, when they talk about what's going on in America right now, they cite 1984 by George Orwell. I think that maybe what's going on is like 30% George Orwell and 70% Brave New World. Because what they did in the Brave New World was it was a deadening of the senses. It was giving people things that are pleasurable. It was giving them a reason not to think, not to question. And, you know, you see, I am not against the legalization of marijuana, um, but you see that suddenly there's a federal legalization being talked about. And I think that the conversation about um, erasing college debt is going to get louder over time because they're going to try to make everyone feel a little bit better as everything gets worse and slides down the uh, the old hill to the bottom. Yeah, and I just, I, I have an article for Contemporary that we weren't able to get to on Monday where they are going out and they're canceling another big chunk of student debt, mostly for disabled students. But it's still another big chunk. And, you know, I, I feel for some of these people too. Um, a girl I used to date while we were dating had a large portion of debt. I think it was credit card debt forgiven through some means or the other, and they slapped her with that as income, and they taxed the shit yeah. out of her for it. And mm-hmm. that's going to be the same thing mm-hmm. when it comes with these with the student loan thing. They're they're gonna these people are gonna see the tax bill come, and they're they're gonna be sad. Speaking of tax, I'm very curious to see what happens this upcoming tax season with all those those uh, you know checks that were going out and stuff. I don't think people really read into that stuff, and I think unless they do something to change the outcome of what's to come. I think they're going to have a big issue and they're going to have some people pissed off because they were too stupid to read it themselves. Oh, I can't wait to see what the tax bills look like for people that uh, got the child tax credit this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people don't know that was cutting into their actual tax return. They thought it was extra money. No, it's just an advancement of what you're supposed to get back. Yeah. They did increase it by a thousand, The what you get back by a thousand, and then they're sending 1,800 through these checks. And so it's, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt me. I, you know, cause I didn't know to turn it off until it was, until I got two in. Then I was like, Oh, wait, you can turn this, this shit off. Let's turn this <laughs> shit off. Let's, let's, let's try to make this not happen because, you know, I, 
I was working, I was self-employed for the first part of this year and I just got a new job. Um, and it's, it's not making as much. And so I'm just looking at that two checks that came in and I'm like, Oh, this is going to hurt. Oh, January is <laughs> going to hurt. May is going to hurt. And so, I mean, it's, it's going to hit us. And I don't think most, I think most people have their hands out and are stressed out and worried and scared and they'll take anything that comes to them right now. And, you know, they, they've put people in such a place that they don't question things and it's not going to feel good. They won't let them work. They wouldn't yeah. let them work. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the biggest tragedy. And I, I was in California where it was pretty, the most severe, most severe lockdowns and so many people just out of work because they weren't allowed to. And uh, I had mentioned this to a friend. He's not a friend anymore, but he, his life was exactly the same. He just worked from home. He still got his takeout every night for dinner. And I said, what about the people that can't work? Like, don't, what about them? And he's like, well, this is for the greater good. And I'm like, what greater good is served by not letting somebody make a living? And he said, well, you thinking like that makes you part of the problem. Yeah. Anybody, anytime somebody says the greater good, I start shaking in my boots. And wow. What's country, that, that Simon Pegg boots. movie? What's that Simon Pegg movie? Um, I don't know. I've only Ash. seen five movies in my life. Uh, well, it's not, so there, there's, there's the Cornetto trilogy. There's Shaun of the Dead, Hot, um, Fuzz? Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz. You know, if you watch oh, Hot yeah, Fuzz, yeah. because Hot Fuzz is a just it's a funny movie. But mm. the there's this little cult in town, and they just chant for the greater good, for the greater good, and it's just like you say the greater good. I think about Hot Fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> think about the cult that because this is a cult. Fascist hag. <laughs> All right, I got one more for you guys here. This is going to be the last jump ball question for you guys. Um, I want to talk about the riders on the main infrastructure bill. Now, um, for those of you, Cam, I don't know if you saw the monologue or not, or uh, Sully, but um, I mentioned this in the monologue. There were two big riders that uh, Senate Republicans tried to modify or eliminate for this. One was um, nationalization of cryptocurrency, or at least um, holding down some of the regulation on cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency transfers, which I have not read the bill yet, so I don't know necessarily what all of this is. And the other one is an interesting um, auto standard that's supposed to start by 2030, which the engineers haven't quite figured out how to do yet, but to have an automatic breathalyzer test in a vehicle, no matter what, no matter if you've been hit with a uh, DUI or not but not having to blow into a tube, actually just having sensors over the driver here. What do you guys think about this? Because both of them wound up staying in the bill. That sounds like that 30% George Orwell to me. That's (laughs) that's absolute big brother. When I was younger, like a lot younger, like in college, um, I used to think that that was a great idea. (laughs) I like put breathalyzers and I was a CRCJ major and I... Uh, it was doing a ride along with the cop during drunk driving hours. Like, man, why did these people get behind you? But yeah, besides the logistical nightmare, it'd be so easy to circumvent regardless. So you're going to spend a crap ton of money on this just for somebody to say, Hey, breathe into this. I'll give you $20. Okay, here you go. So well, easy to talking about having cameras and vehicles to prevent you from doing that, which that in and of itself scares the shit out of me by itself. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't agree to that. Hey, you got to think about the Irish people, man. They they need to be able to drive here too. It's not it's not fair to do such a thing. Hey, exactly. He gets it. Me and John over here, man. We need to be able to drink our whiskey while we learn how to play our violins and be able to drive. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 
it's not exactly innocent or guilt. It's not exactly guilty and proven innocent, but it's just this idea that um, these people can't function as individuals without, like Cam said, big brother over overseeing them. So I'm, I'm against it on principle. I'm also against those um, uh, where they can track your speed and stuff. And, you know, you can get yeah. lower insur- insurance rates and stuff. I just, any kind of, th- any kind of thing where I feel like there's someone over my shoulder eyeing how I live my life, it just, it bothers me. Well, on a foundational fundamental cam- cameras, especially, but uh, the breathalyzer idea as well. I mean, this is a complete violation of property rights. Because by putting either of those things into every car and, you know, it's telling you that you don't actually own your car. You don't actually own your property and you can't use it as you see fit. Do I want you to drink and drive? No. But the government telling car companies that I'm not allowed to drive my car will never sit right with me because that's them making a claim on my property. And, you know, I, I do a little fighting over that. I'd punch a person. <laughs> well, think about how you work. Like, do you work better when your boss has you on a really tight leash and is watching your every move? Even if you know how to do your job and you do it well, do you work well under that condition? No, it, it work becomes very anxious. You, you become anxious. Yeah. And Look, this, that would be the same thing when you're driving. I'll say, I'll say two things to this whole camera thing specifically. Um, one this is the problem with the way society is going is people aren't taking self-responsibility and they're not holding the individual responsible. They're, they're trying to take the couple bad and, and, and force their will on the rest of the people. And that's the problem. They keep pushing the law abiding citizens down the wrong path Two, I work for a company. Um, I drive large trucks. I drive a Mack truck for work. Um, it's not like a tractor trailer, but it is a, I have to have a CDL for it. Um, when I started at this company, this is the first time I actually ever had cameras in the vehicle. And I didn't know how I felt about it at first because there's a camera on your windshield that has a camera that shoots out the windshield to film anything in front of you. There's a camera on the rear of the truck. And also on that one on the windshield, there's a camera and a microphone on the inside of the cab. Now, granted, it's for the company. It's a company vehicle. I'm on company time. I agreed to it. I didn't like it at first, but... All I'm saying, I like the idea of the fact that it covers my ass if someone cuts in front of me to make a last-minute right-hand turn and I plow into the back of their their minivan or Toyota. They're all Toyotas, man, fucking Toyota drivers. And (laughs) the other thing is they have someone full-time sitting there watching live feeds to make sure you're not, like, driving unbuckled, driving over the lines, you know – drinking like while you're not drinking alcohol but just drinking like being distracted basically while you're driving not texting and i'm like dude if this guy wants to sit back in his office get paid and watch me sing taylor swift all day then fucking more power to him man <laughs> i'm telling you right now I've, i i put on a show in that truck and i'm like you know what i don't care if this is the worst they see then whatever but i i wouldn't be cool with it in my personal vehicle i will say yeah. that that at the end of the day because with the company, I understand they got to cover their ass, and I have the choice to say yes or no. I'm not going to take the job and then complain about the fact the camera's in there. 
because that's just stupid. I'm not going to sign up to the rules and then all of a sudden say, whoa, wait a second. I don't like these rules. But when it comes to my personal vehicle, fuck no. I don't want anything in there. I have tint that's not necessarily, you know, Compliant. allows <laughs> enough. But in Florida, they also let it slide a little bit because it's hot as balls down here. So, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just don't agree with it in, in, in my private vehicle. If you agree to it and you want a breathalyzer because you cannot handle your shit and you didn't grow up Irish or you didn't grow up in the military being a professional alcoholic, that is on you, buddy. Yeah, and the, and the, the main difference between those two scenarios is vol- is whether or not it's voluntary. Yes, exactly. If, if, exactly. if, 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 if they shifted it into every car, and, you know, of course, there would be older cars or, you know, there'd be really cool technological workarounds, I'm sure. But beyond that, it's it's the difference between voluntary and involuntary. And, you know, if I'm I'm just never going to sign up, sign off. Well, and that. I mentioned I mentioned in my monologue, too. I mean, a couple of different instances where this would have been a problem. And one of the big ones of that is the DD. That seems to be the logistical nightmare that the car companies are getting for is. What if somebody in the passenger cabin is drunk off their ass or yeah. climbing all over the seats because she's completely drunk? Or as I pointed out with the situation where I went and picked my ex-girlfriend up from the bar in a truck with a bench seat because she couldn't stand up drunk, that that level of <laughs> drunk, and she decided she wanted to lay across the bench seat and take a nap. <laughs> my truck That's just shut off. did, Jay. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> no, it was yeah. it was innocent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, buddy. No, but the other one is the, the campground aspect. Like you know, in the off season, mm-hmm. during the on season, when you work at a campground, you're pretty much traveling around the park all the time in a golf cart, open top, um, all older '80s technology, so you don't have to worry about that. But you know, when it gets to October in November, when you're doing the repairs and it's the end of the day and you just want to do some scouting or something, you go get in your truck, usually with a beer in your hand. You're not on a public road. But there you go. Your your truck is dead in the water. If you want to go and you know take a trip through the crushed rock roads out there, what what do you do at that point? You haven't broken the, I, the law. You're on your property. Yeah, the idea of cameras in my car involuntarily, like I feel like the extent of my argumentation would be no. They say why, and I say because fuck you. That's why. I I, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm, that is just not within. The parameters of me giving them any inch of um, legitimacy in an argument. I'm not going to give them the moral high ground. I'm going to say no. That is that violates my rights. I won't um, do it. I won't allow it. Right. Go ahead, Olive. Oh, sorry. I um, I come from a family of complete teetotalers, and you know this kind of thing is going to make cars cost more and stuff. And then you have people that are paying more for cars that don't need this, that really honestly do not even need this safety measure because they, they're, you know, they're not drinking anyway. And so it just seems it's the involuntariness of it. It's worse than you two putting their stupid album on our iPhones. It's worse than that. <laughs> I, I like wouldn't listen to it out of principle for the longest time, but it's actually not that bad of an album. <laughs> Like, could you could you imagine if they actually put these cameras and like breathalyzer testers in there? And like, I mean, what would happen to like car break-ins? You know, like they'd have to do it totally sober. 
you know, like someone tries to get in the car, they're like, hell yeah, that one's mine. They jump in there and it's like, you know, denied or, you know, point one. And you're like, oh shit, I can't steal this car. You know, so you go try to run it off. I mean, hey, it could be a good thing for some people. That's all I'm saying. And what about you and I, Sully, where Silver limits are halved? Oh, dude, I know. Because I always think I'm like, man, there are so many times like at the end of the day, because a lot of times I'm one of the last guys in the yard um, just because I try to help out as much as I can with the runs. And uh, I mean, dude, we'll sit there, have a beer or two. And I'm like, dude, if I got pulled over, like even though I had two beers, I'd blow over. Yeah. So 0.04. I mean, yeah, exactly. 0.04. And dude, if you're in a CDL vehicle at all, it is zero. You cannot blow anything. So if I drink the night before and I work early in the morning, so if I show up to work and that shit is not out of my system, I can actually still blow over the legal limit because it's .0, <laughs> you know? It's crazy. But they don't mess around with that. I don't blame them because you can kill people in big trucks for sure if you're, you know, driving like an idiot. But crazy stuff. All right. Mm-hmm. That is all that I have here for the day, you guys. Thank you for that. Um, we're going to go through some of the live chat here and see what's going on here. You guys are welcome to stick around for that. You don't have to if you got something else going on. Um, if you do have to take off before the end of the live chat, let me know so I'll give you a chance to plug your stuff and make sure everybody knows where they can find you. Which, by the way, if you're on the YouTube video, that's linked handily right in the description. So you can go and check that out for all of these creators here and some of their projects. So let's go see where we were. Um, this idiot here forgot to turn the audio back on for everybody. So that was on me. Sorry, guys. So yeah, for like the first 20 seconds, 30 seconds of this, we had no audio from any of the guests. Technical issues. It's not perfect. Duct tape production and such. Fire the producer. I good money to be on here, sir. <laughs> Fire the producer. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> you don't want to be how smart you look, baby. Uh, let's see. Um, we have got E with that, that remind me that we can't hear the guests. Uh, Chilaga pointed out, can't hear the guests here now. Um, Eric Bowman says, good to put faces to voices. Eric Bowman is having trouble with Twitch because he keeps bumping back and forth between platforms. Uh, let's see. I don't know about this O for camp guy. He doesn't even look like a bourbon drinker. I think that might be something inside here with uh, Mr. Harless. It is. And yes, I am drinking <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> uh, Quest Fanning says I 95 is always a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. We have a congratulations to Harvey on the baby. Thank you. Let's see. Uh, this is less this is less of a waste than most recent bills. Uh, we got to talk about Brad Palumbo here for a second. Even the article my buddy Brad Palumbo put out three weeks ago was not showing anything as egregious as I'd expected. Plenty of bad, but I doubt the three and a half trillion next one is going to be that clean. So, what do you guys think about that? The 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 first bill versus the second bill as to how what the percentage of clean money is going to be in those. I I have never read Brad Palumbo so. I have I have no context for that, but um, I just will never I'll never buy that it's not dirty. Like I just I I I, I, I can't suspend my disbelief like that. Yeah, and and like you said, the percentages. Um, I actually haven't read it either, so I can't give like specifics. But in my mind, 
whether the bill's a trillion, two trillion, three trillion, percentage-wise, it's probably always about the same. Because yeah, the less money they get, the less money's going for the cause, but they're still going to get their chunk. I mean, it's it's going to be around the same percentage, I think. Well, and I, I talked about it in the monologue, too. I think that part of the reason that the Senate Republicans even fast-tracked this here was some of the nerves were going out. Like, what did we see when we had the last stimulus bill? Not the, not the last one we just got, but the one before, where all the Internet sleuths looked at this and started finding, okay, we have this for foreign aid. This is how much we're sending to this. This is how much we're sending here. We didn't see a lot this, this time through, which I'm disappointed in. But nobody's read the bill. It's 2,048 pages. It's twice the thickness of this book right here. Wait, how many pages did you say? 2,048? 2,078. 2,078. Okay, so I'm over halfway through it. That's not bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't fucking read any of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've read I've read some bills in my life. I don't I don't plan on doing too much of that anymore. Yeah, a lot of time spent for like, <laughs> oh, okay, I was right. <laughs> yeah, I've read the dollar bill after looking like at a Illuminati YouTube video. I was like, holy shit, is all that on there? I was like, no. <laughs> What was it? I said that when they came out with a jobs report and there were a million new jobs added in July and all of a sudden we stopped hearing about the Delta variant properly. And I'm like, oh, I, I got to do the razor fist chair spin, which they're a ladies present. I'm not going to do it now. Plus I'm in a no. nice suit. <laughs> You're not wearing pants. That's what it is. <laughs> I am wearing pants. Are you? This you is one of the few times on, on this channel I am wearing pants. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to look at you totally different now. <laughs> I'm in I'm in Florida. I'm wearing jorts. Yeah, I'm in I'm in boxers. I'm not gonna lie. I am. <laughs> I'm in hot pants. Maternity hot pants. You're seven months along. Seven you months. You have an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'm in true. Texas. You have a hot pants. <laughs> <laughs> plenty hot in Texas too, you know. Plenty humid as well. Yeah. Um, Eric Bowman says they're doing a sleight of hand. This is almost too clean. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is if they end up shooting the load on this or just a distraction before the big one. Which I, I have to wonder with the debt ceiling too. If like if that's one of the things that uh, McConnell's trying to do with this bill and letting the infrastructure one go is knowing that he's not going to get anybody onto the debt ceiling, and they've either got to force a rider onto the the human infrastructure bill to make sure that it covers the debt ceiling or they have to use their budget uh, reconciliation on the debt ceiling itself, which is an interesting strategy. I don't care for it, but it's an interesting one. What do you guys think? It would make sense that they would put out a, a very clean bill before doing a real dirty one, you know, mm -hmm. establish some form of rapport, some form of trust, and then really do some bad. But I mean, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. The, it's it's that would be well within their tactics, I think. Yep. There, well, there are people that believe that the Democrats are doing a good thing, and they said then the Republicans are just terrible, evil people, and they probably aren't. But they they're like they're <laughs> they just don't want to work with Democrats. That's why they don't care about infrastructure. They don't care about um, the community. They just they just do what Trump tells them to do, even though he's not in office anymore. And um, well, they, they truly believe that it's a benevolent cause. I mean, let's let's be real. 95 plus percent of the politicians that are in there, they all work for the same fucking machine that drives them forward. 
they go Republican or Democrat depending on where they're going to get voted in and what someone tells them they have the best result is getting. Then they side with them because look how many, you know, run on so many campaign things and they're not held accountable. They never go for what they're saying. The only ones I truly believe think there are two different sides to this are the ones that are younger and newer to politics and think they can actually do something. And once they get involved, they just get sucked right down the rabbit hole. And I, I truly believe that it's all just one big giant fuck you to the American people. They think that we have sides and they pin us that way because we're too busy fighting each other. When it comes down to it, all Americans, I think, really could benefit off the same things. You know, when it comes to all this stupid little shit that's been coming up lately, like this racism that's come out and, and this hate against LGBTQ. I, I live close enough to Orlando. I see a lot of gay fucking people. I don't have a problem with them. I never have. I've had friends that are gay that wanted to probably spread my butt cheeks. And I, was, I don't have a problem with them. They were cool people because they were just normal people. They just preferred their hot dogs served a certain way. And I was like, I'm not into that. And they were like, okay, cool. You know, I mean, it's just, I, I think American people have a lot more in common and the two party system is just the the big distraction that is really what keeps them being able to do what they do while we're too busy fighting each other on shit that really doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I got to push back on, on the young people thing <laughs> because there are college educated people my age, 37, that actually believe that democratic politicians are at odds with billionaire business leaders. Unironically. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, something that that uh, Harvey said reminded me of a C.S. Lewis quote that, that I'll read if y'all are down. Um, it's one of my favorites. Um, of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons that may that that it would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've heard that. Danger. Before. All right. Let's keep going here. Um, let's see. Do not ask them. Uh, ask to have them enforce more. Um, apparently, we were shared by Quest Fanning on Twitter a while back. Hopefully, we've got some live listeners. Mr. Behavior is here. Uh, welcome, Mr. Behavior. Uh, Lily Rose for Prez is here. That's a new name, so welcome on in. Hope you enjoy the programming and stick around for more stuff. Um, apparently, it's morning where Lily Rose for Prez is, which is odd because it's 7 o'clock at night here. <laughs> I think we lost Olive. She flickers in and out. Oh. Yeah, I think her connection. Like my microphone, like my lights. Nice. <laughs> How do you get it? Uh, apparently, Wait. Lily is from Eastern Russia. Oh, oh wow! Shit. We got a spy in the. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hurt me. All right. Um. I really think this is a good conversation uh, you're interested in and is appreciated. Yeah, I mean, this this all disappeared instantly as soon as it was voted in. Like, this was the most important news story in the world for three weeks. 
We we got to get infrastructure. We got to get rid of these uh, Republicans because we got to get infrastructure. We got to get infrastructure. It's so bad. We got to get infrastructure. And now we're all talking about Afghanistan or some guy in an eighty thousand dollar pickup truck that's apparently below the poverty line that <laughs> had a bomb outside the Library of Congress or a Cuomo. No, yeah. that one kind of disappeared you know, too. You know what they're now talking about is the Arizona audit, which is still going on. Yeah, and there's stuff going on in Georgia as well with, um, I forget, uh, Garland Favrito is working on stuff down in Georgia, or I guess up in Georgia from here in Florida. And um, you just got to love the the headlines that the news that are reporting, like, in more efforts to overturn the election with these audits, like, that's not an overturn. That's making sure that the votes were counted properly. That's making what was wrong right. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, um, you, you come to the point, too, where as soon as the houseplant chief put his hand on the Bible and said, I, I promise to, to, to uphold the, the thing, man, and so help me, you know, that guy up there, he was president. And you can't <laughs> do anything about that until the next term. You can impeach yeah. him and then Kamala becomes the president or, God forbid, Pelosi. But you're, you're not going to reinstall the Donald. There's no constitutional mechanism to do that. First time for everything. Yeah, the uh, problem is who, who's going to fix that, though, and put something into place, you know? I don't trust anyone in, in politics right now, any of these elected officials, to actually put something in place and pass a bill that's going to, you know, be a safety net for if that happens in the future, you know? And then it, it's, it's just a whole mess that it's like it's a lose-lose situation, you know? It well, sucks. Joe Biden is infrastructure, so we need him. <laughs> He's not mean tweets. Mean yeah, no more mean tweets. No more mean but the, the yeah, white pill for just, what you just said, you though, just I want to push back to the white pill on that, is that, um, I mean, a lot of this is done at the local level. So mm -hmm. if you really have a concern about it, run for city council, run for county executive, run for that kind of stuff, because that's where your change is going to be made. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Eric Bowman says, speed up, folks. There's a lot to talk about. No, we're done. We're getting out of here. Um, Damn you Mr. Quest. Behavior says, burn down the barbershops, which I don't know necessarily where that came from, but he wants us to burn down the barbershops, apparently. Did we talk about barbershops and I missed it? No. He, I think he was talking in, in terms of the lockdowns. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And like how important it was that we closed down barbershops, but not titty bars. <laughs> well, I mean, if they hadn't Priority. done all the ridiculous mandates in the barbershops, you know, somebody, somebody's getting a wig off of this at some point. <laughs> Got to do my part. I haven't cut my hair since I lived in Las Vegas, and it was like here, and now it's like all the way down here. Be down to my butt crack by next year. <laughs> Same here. Um, uh, Mr. Behavior says, you heard it here first, breathalyzers and cars are good because they prevent car theft. <laughs> I endorse that. Uh, Eric Bowman says, my point is that the infrastructure bill is a distraction from the other possible additional three and a half trillion dollar use of the reconciliation. If they do this, they will lose both houses. What do you guys think of that? The odds on that? Anyone? Anyone but me? I mean, I, 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 I don't <laughs> know. Both houses to what? 
the the GOP. Another establishment. I, I, yeah, I, I don't understand. I, I I don't I don't see I don't know I don't know if I see the GOP making a comeback within the next four years. I think it's no. going to be a. I mean, you never know. I could be wrong, but it does seem like even the Republicans hate the main Republicans. So I, I think that it's they're in a kind of a, a safer space than they've been in the past. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Den, the Dems won up, oh, over opposing Trump's personality. The more they do to pursue that agenda, the more they'll lose. Unless they Hong Kong the election. Hong Kong. <laughs> yes. There's one of the two things I've been waiting for, buddy. <laughs> Apparently, somebody's got to make a mention of AOC so I can do that incredibly racist, but yes, not incredibly yes. funny impression. Here's number two. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, let's see. Cam and that C.S. Lewis quote, my boy, um, Nestravio. I don't understand the reference. Somebody maybe can help me out with that one. Not I. Uh, Mr. Behavior says Simpsons reference. I hate America. Uh, Eric Bowman says, my friend Joe G, who spearheaded the lawsuit against Arizona's mandates, is in jail over an ex he hasn't seen in forever. Kind of looks political. No, they, they, they would never do something political. That, that, that would never happen. No. Uh, Mr. Behavior says, don't cut your hair, Harvey. Um, Eric Bowman says, I am who I am. Uh, Nostrovia is the English mispronunciation of the Russian word Nazadrovi, meaning cheers. Ah, okay. Mm, okay. And Ron Helton mm, gets the last comment out of here. The green new steel. <laughs> and what he, he had to get one in. All right. So before I throw the uh, outro music out, the last question I'll have for all the guests here is make sure you guys promo your stuff and we'll go clockwise starting from my left. So Harvey McLeod, tell everyone where they can find you. I've got the Twitch link in the description. Yeah, you can find me on Twitch and you can find me on YouTube and uh, I go live from time to time and I'll upload videos on YouTube from time to time. Mostly King of the Hill and Final Fantasy right now. Hmm. <laughs> I tell you what. And that is linked in the description, <laughs> so go and check that out. It's uh, it's always a great time and there's always a good conversation going on there. Sully, I know that you're coming new to this uh, project, but I know you're always in live chat too. If you got anything you want to promo, I put your Instagram in the description because I didn't know what else to go. But if you got anything else you want to promo, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, so that's basically it right now. Instagram, um, I got rid of Facebook years ago. Uh, I have mentioned before, and it's in the works because I'm actually in the process of moving um, next month coming up. Um, so I, I don't have my setup yet. I actually have been talking about starting a show. I'm not quite sure what the name of that's going to be yet. Um, I will probably, and I don't, this isn't a confirmation. I will probably reach out to Jay Edgar or John from the Gen Gap and try to have them as my first guests. Um, so when that does happen, I'm sure you can see it here. If not, I'm going to drive up, you know, see Jay Edgar and basically hold him at gunpoint to make him do it. So anyway, <laughs> he'll be on the show. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, yeah, that's all I got right now. I don't have my own show. Uh, you can't find me in the live chat for Jay Edgar. Um, I was on the Gen, Gen Gap a lot, um, sometimes on RRC, um, a couple other the the group stuff. Um, that's pretty much it. Other than that, I'm a fucking ghost, baby. 
<laughs> Mr. Harless, tell us where we can oh, find well, you. Uh, you can find me every week at Wednesday, on Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern on our show, The Mad Ones, me and Jessica Green, on youtube.com slash The Mad Ones. You can also find it on Odyssey and on um, Rockfin. Uh, if you want to tweet at me and see my, you know, troll and uh, otherwise provocative dickhead tweets at Cam Harless on Twitter. It's always funny to to hear the, the provocative and dickhead tweets because you've got that that soft, almost NPR voice. <laughs> it's like getting slapped in the face, but with a silk glove on. <laughs> I have fun. <laughs> Olive. Tell us where we can find you. Anything you've got working on or anything else that you've got? I've got your uh, Twitter in the description. Yes. Yes, and I forgot to mention that I also have a few articles on... um, Oh, no. Figures. Um, Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay, sorry about that. Um, You can also find me uh, at Ordinary Times... I can send um, I can send you the the link to that. I have a couple of articles there, and then I'm also at on Twitter at Right Girl Problems, which is actually Right Girl G R L Probs P R O B S. So great that's name. Where great name. I tend to tweet my thoughts into the void there. So yeah. <laughs> Yes. And that is linked in the description. Let's throw some music up here. Everybody knows what music is coming out of this, and we will get out of here for the day. So thank you to all the live chatters and who brought some questions for you. Everybody who sat back and listened to us talk about an issue that has essentially disappeared from the news, but definitely something we need to pay attention to because they will, you know, it's sleight of hand. They'll do one thing over here while they're screwing you in behind over here. So we got, we got to keep up on this kind of stuff here and talk about this kind of stuff. We could sit here and have a three-hour conversation about Afghanistan, but still the establishment's gonna come in and spend that money and you're not gonna get a say in it. So thank you to all my guests, Harvey McLeod, Sully Blue, Cam Harless, Olive of Right Girl Problems. All of you, thanks everybody who came by and uh, talked and discussed this with me. We got some good insight in here and definitely some good kitchen table issues off of this. That's what I wanted to see was what happens around the kitchen table and exactly what's going to happen, who's gonna be hurt, who's going to have their bottom line hit and where we're gonna go from there. I will be back here on Monday morning for more contemporary and on Monday night for the Red Net Show, which might be flying solo at this point because I don't know if I have a guest right now or not, but you know, that's that's something I gotta deal with on my own here. So definitely come and check that out. 7 a.m. Monday morning for contemporary, 5.30 p.m. for the Red Net Show. We've got a lot of stuff to go over here, a lot of Afghanistan stuff. So definitely come back and check us out for that. Otherwise, go check out our new project coming up in the works. We'll have some details to release, hopefully this coming week, for a fall release. So definitely come back and check that out. And as I always say, never take the words of bloggers, podcasters, and journalists as gospel. Find all the facts and draw your own conclusions. Take care, everybody. We are out of here, and we will see you next time. Take care.